0: 2012 Korean drama written by Kim Eun-suk. Kim eun you all know because she is a classic K-drama hitmaker. All of her romantic comedy K-dramas become hits. It's just It's like a rule book now. She writes it. It's a hit. She wrote Descendants of the Sun. She wrote Secret Garden. She wrote Goblin, The Lonely Great God. She wrote Lover's in Paris, which is a Korean drama that I love. And it is definitely a classic in South Korea. She's worked with Kim han the fem- who plays the female protagonist in A Gentleman's Dignity. She worked with her years ago on a show called On Air. I have not seen On Air. I think I tried, I think I stopped. It's one of Kim sooks earlier shows. Maybe I'll come back to it, who knows, who knows. But this show is special because it is one of Chang Dong Gun's return to television. So Chang Dong Gun, he sort of became a big, major movie star following the movie Friends, Chingu, which came out in the year two thousand one, and after that, all he did was make movies because he was this big movie star. But twelve years later. He does this show, A Gentleman's Dignity, written by Kim eun and it becomes a major success. And then I think uh, a few years after that, he did Suits. Oh, he also did uh, Arth- Arthal? Arthal Chronicles. <laughs> I can't even pronounce it, Arthal Chronicles. He's in that. He's like the sort of like gross looking dude who is on that with like the long hair. He's like a bit of a womanizer, I think. Um, I tried watching Arthdal Chronicles and I couldn't. I was like, this is too ridiculous. This is like, they're trying so hard to copy uh, Game of Thrones, like so hard. And it is sucking so badly that I just had to stop. I was like, I can't, I can't do this. So I I stopped watching it. Uh, Despite the fact that there are huge Hylio stars in that show. Including Song Joong right? Song Joong is in that, and like nobody gave a shit because uh, they were like, "This show is too terrible. It's too awful." <laughs> if you want to watch Arthur Chronicles*, you can. It's on Netflix. I don't recommend it, but hey, don't let don't let me yuck your yum, yeah, as they say. But yeah, Chang Dong Gun is in this show, and he is so funny. Like he plays this arrogant dude who puts on this like jerk off facade trying to hide his vulnerability trying to hide like what a loser dude he was back in the day trying to hide his insecurities and it's all a front it's all a front but he was very funny and a gentleman's dignity the person who was the funniest however on this show is kim hanu kim hanu is hilarious on this show like I haven't seen too many Korean dramas starring Kim han Like, like I said, like I didn't watch on air. You know, years ago she did a, a show called um, Into the Sun, uh, and uh, that one had Cha Tae in it and Kim Hyun ju in it, and I think Chang um, Hyuk. I think Chang Hyuk is also in that show, but Kim Hana is definitely on that show, and she played a very passive. Sort of like rich girl kind of role, in this show. However, she plays this teacher like like the word that comes to mind is omtunge. Like it's it means like kind of little airheaded, like a bit of a bit of an airhead, like goofy airhead type, you know. Uh, But she's very omtunge on this show and super funny, just so so hilarious. There were so many times where I was just like dying laughing at Kim Hando. And I have to, I have to hand it to, you know, it's like the, the kind of actresses to me who are like the funniest when it comes to Korean romantic comedies is, um, you have Kim han of course. You have, uh, Ji-hyun and Son Ye-jin. Yeah, Son Ye-jin is super hilarious, super funny. And I think that takes a certain kind of talent. Like, I don't think it's easy, easy to be funny. It's not easy to be a funny comedic actress. People think it's easy, but it's not. It's not. I think you have to be skilled comedically. I think you have to have good a good sense of timing in order to succeed as a funny comedic actress. And Kim Han has it. Kim Han has it, son Ye Jin has it, and Ji Jian has it. Oh, but the messed up thing about this show is like, I mean this came out in 2012. So we're talking 10 years ago. This is pre Me Too. It is very problematic. There are so many things that Chang Dong Gun's character does to uh, Kim Han's character that is just so out of line. Like, oh my gosh, if they happened to me, I would be horrified. I would be horrified. I would text all of my girlfriends. I would notify the community about a guy like him and be like, yeah, stay away from him. He's kind of a sicko. He's kind of a perv. He's kind of a predator. Chang Dong Gun his character is like very aggressive doesn't take no for an answer he gets pissed off real easily like like in korean you say like it means like a petty way of getting pissed off you know like like stop communicating you know like he'll just cut off communication if he's mad like, shutting down. Like, that is like the worst. The worst. I cannot stand people who do that. Shutting down when they're pissed off, that is unacceptable. I'm just like, no, like, move aside. Goodbye. You're out of my life. But Dong Gun's character does that. Super petty, you know? The show is funny. The show is funny, but the character, the male character is not at all attractive. I mean he's not like nothing he does is attractive. Everything he does is absurd. It's terrible. It's unacceptable. It's cheesy. It's too much. Like if a guy ever proposed to me in the way that Chang Dong-gun's character proposes to Kim min character in a gentleman's dignity, I would I would sever ties forever. I would sever ties forever and say, "You don't know who I am. This is over. We got to walk away from this." let's go our separate ways, have a good life, goodbye. It would be done, it would be over. But with all that said, the show itself is funny, but the male protagonist on this show is highly problematic. So, trigger warning to all of you bitches. If you ladies have an issue with a guy being, you know, a bit toxic, right? Like if toxicity being revered on a Korean drama is gonna be a trigger for you, yeah steer clear from this one. But if you want to see some hilarious performance by Kim Hanu, this is the show for you. Today, we're going to talk to comedian Pratik Srivastava. He is a Los Angeles-based comic. He is originally from Chicago. His album, uh, Nick and Sheila's Kid, was number one on iTunes and Amazon. You can find it on Spotify. And we just talk a lot about comedy and the comedy business in this episode so if you're not into that you might want to skip this one but if you are into it let's talk to Pratik. How's it going?
1: It's going good how are you? Happy Friday. Not bad.
0: Yeah it is Friday doesn't mean much to people like us I guess but uh <laughs> yeah no I've been uh I've been dealing with like car trouble since um for a for a little while now and i'm like getting really sick of it you don't drive right i don't
1: drive right now i am uh just basically i mean certain shows i know the bus and train route now so i just do that and get there early but like if it's yeah. something where I'm running late or something or if it's something not if it's something like 10 12 minutes away i'll just you know Uber yeah. or something
0: Ubers aren't yeah. too
1: bad you know
0: i mean gas prices are so expensive now anyhow that it's almost yes, like...
1: parking, insurance, it's pretty... Nothing's fun.
0: Nothing's fun. I mean, I, I know I know several people in LA who just live just fine without a vehicle. So yeah. I don't think it's like all yeah. that bizarre. But yeah, I don't know. I just have this uh dependence on a car now. Because when I moved here, I brought a car with me. So oh, okay. I just... Yeah, Yeah, I I can't imagine my life in L.A. without a car right now. But don't you want to get a vehicle at some point?
1: I do. Uh, That's the goal for, you know, next uh, February or March. I think, you know, part of it has been I've moved here, but I also I go back quite a bit. So, you know, I'd like to, when I'm here for most of the month, have a car. So that's the plan for uh, February or March of next year is
0: probably. Yeah, yeah. So you spend about like half your time back in Chicago, basically? not just chicago i mean i i do
1: like I, for example i went to memphis and nashville but it made sense to fly into chicago because it's cheaper to go from chicago to nashville and memphis so oh I think right I was is I, or sometimes i'll pick up uh shows with other comics from chicago yeah. so i will just flying to chicago and drive with them and then yeah. come back and fly out from chicago to la and also it is cheaper to go from la to chicago versus la to you know wherever in the south or whatever you
0: know yeah yeah you you do a lot of road and it seems like you just kind of book it on your own because you don't you're not represented yet are you or do you have representation
1: i I don't have any formal representation i've had producers and managers who've worked with me sort of you know under the table but uh right now just it's just me mostly most of the road stuff i book is mostly just me
0: yeah like how is that process because it's like i i know you you're very busy on the road and you know you're like self-managed uh eric escobar also seems to be super busy do you know him uh i thought you said
1: eric esteban but no I, I don't. no know no eric no
0: escobar. they're they're very similar like that eric escobar is also filipino uh he's he's also half mexican and he is uh very very busy like he's a big hustler like you like does the road like all year and he books them all just on
1: (laughs) huh he's probably doing a little more than me you know
0: well he just he does it just all on his own Mm -hmm. and i'm just like I don't know. Like, I wish I wish I could do the same, but like, I mean, isn't it just harder to get bookers to take us seriously if we're self managing? I mean, what do you think? Like, what's your opinion on that? Or how I do you think manage
1: there's it? There's there's, you have to be, you have to be aggressive. You have to, you know, I know a few comics who have regular agents and managers and they're finding that they're getting more stuff just on their own through, You know, whether it's referrals from other comics, you know, or they happen to be in that city and they'll do like a guest spot at that club first, like be willing to do guest spots. If it's a club, for example, be willing to do like a drop in spot or something, let them see you, you know, and then keep following up, keep following up. Uh, Another way I've been able to parlay some work is because I got into a few festivals that the bookers for these clubs were at. So they had seen me there. And again, it wasn't like, oh, hey, here's these dates right after we saw you. No, you're going to have to follow up. You're going to have to be respectfully persistent there because there's also annoying persistent. Then there's respectfully persistent where you have to keep following. Oh. up. Them. You know, you don't want to jump up their ass or anything. You have to find those ways to, you know, keep yeah. following up.
0: well that's a fine line isn't it like what's what differentiates annoying persistence versus respectful persistence because like i i'm just afraid that being persistent will always be annoying so i try not to like i'm pretty shy about that so like what's how do you sort of manage that
1: i think like you know it, it really you know be be mindful of the tone in your email you know you can mm-hmm. say, I, I usually don't say anything along the lines of, hey, why haven't you booked me yet? Or, you know, <laughs> I wouldn't say anything like that. I wouldn't yeah. say, I, I. and I believe me, I have seen bookers post screenshots of emails without the person's name in it. There are definitely comics out there who will say yeah. things like, why haven't you booked me yet? Oh, you know, yeah. so I would have yeah. refrained from how, why haven't you booked me? Refrain from, you know, I've been emailing this much. Like refrain from mentioning, how much you've emailed, you can say something along the line, or at least I've said something along the lines of, Hey, I'm just following up again. Uh, You know, you told me to follow up this many months after the fact, you know, so like just being, being, watching Mm -hmm. your tone, that, that sort of, that business, that business protocol kind of thing of, Hey, I'm just following up again, you know, again, here are my credits, remind them of what you've done, you know, also be mindful of, you know, when you met this person and remind them maybe, what, where they met you and put that in the subject line. You know, if you're using a referral, right. using a festival as a, when you met this person, say, Hey, for example, uh, Hey, I met you at, you know, so-and-so Munich brewing festival or whatever, put that in the yeah. subject line Munich brewing festival. Yeah. If someone's giving you referral, put their name plus referral in the sub, you know, like think about the fact that if you were, you, you know, you're, you're a booker, you book shows. Now you must be getting messages from comics. Be mindful now of how much a club booker is getting like thousand emails a day or whatever it's hard to go through go through emails you know you know now i'm I'm kind of helping out with uh you know the email uh list for comedy in English and I'm seeing how many emails we're getting a day and it's hard to go through all of them and we're not even getting a thousand emails a day I can't imagine what I'm just using club bookers as an example I can't imagine what club bookers are getting probably thousand or fifteen hundred emails a day because now everybody thinks they're a comic there are people who haven't been doing comedy and they're just like Oh yeah, I I do I do comedy, but I don't like doing bars. I only do I only do clubs. You know those type of comics that just say that that mm-hmm. just started. So you know we're 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 in a new era now where you know people are just coming out of the woodwork, either they were doing comedy before the pandemic or they just think they can do comedy and they're just getting these emails or getting mm-hmm. chances to do things. So we're just we're we're constantly competing with people, and I think it's I think it's yeah. important to just be to be mindful of that, you know. And and again, yeah show professionalism
0: you know that's what i'm trying to say you know
1: don't let your ego don't let the bitterness get to the to the emails
0: yeah that's a pretty good um i guess sort of uh rule to go by is like what would you what kind of email would you want like as a booker you know yeah i i I don't i don't book any shows like i don't produce or book any shows like if the improv gives me spots then i just do that but like you know i don't really book or produce uh but well, people I think i do yeah yes. yeah no yeah, it's okay I, I thought it like, yeah yeah no people, do think, people I think i do and, so? yeah yeah and and sometimes they do email me like the day <laughs> of the show or the night before yeah. and they're like can i get yeah. a spot on your show and i'm like no like i don't know you you know this is like <laughs> me and my friends why would i put yeah. somebody i don't know um <laughs> Well, OK, that's a good point. OK, I mean, uh, I guess maybe when you go on the road, though, like having some credits also helps. Like, I mean, you have an album. You recorded that like a couple years ago, right?
1: Yeah, I have an album called Nick and Shield's Kid. So that definitely, you know, there there are For I will say like a lot of people who, you know, now I'm starting to get more headlining work or, you know, regular feature work. And if anyone is hesitant, you know, hey, there's this thing that's there where it's like, oh, you're not sure I can do 45 minutes. Although my album's actually, uh, I think my album's like 59 minutes. I didn't, I when I did the recording, I think I did like an hour 10 on each show. I just didn't include all the material. Uh, yeah. Like here, yeah, here's. But you're right. Hey, here's this product. Here's this thing that's out there. You know, I'll usually send either the Spotify link or. You know I'll sometimes if I have like the raw file, I'll include that if the person wants to see I don't I feel like no I don't know too many bookers who are looking up or watching or reading a whole hour or listening to a whole hour of something, but right. I include the link so that people can see, hey, this thing is there, you know mm-hmm. so you're right, yeah, yeah, that does hold a little more weight, you know um but yeah. I think the biggest thing I'm noticing, especially on the road, like you know when I did Memphis or Nashville. Uh, were were references. I, I feel like if I had to rank what helps get things, it's either references or some someone from that club had seen me from another uh, thing, either at a festival or they had seen a clip or they somebody from that club was in chicago or something i think i got lucky that chicago's kind of this good hub city where people from memphis nashville you know the wisconsin clubs wisconsin's got a great scene too that people don't really know about they don't know about the milwaukee scene or the madison scene especially you know if people are listening to this you know and they're not in the midwest there's so many great clubs in the midwest not just necessarily chicago you know indiana has you know their their, their fort wayne scene the drop in south bend indiana there's so many great clubs in the surrounding areas and so some of those people will come to chicago and i i think that's why i'm i'm a little bit lucky that i spent a lot of time in chicago you know where people did get to see mm-hmm. yeah. Too.
0: yeah for sure um tell me more about like when you were recording your album like where did you record it i mean what was like you getting up to even deciding that you wanted to do an album like Yeah. Tell me about that whole process and how you even, you know, came up with the title because it's an interesting title. Um, Oh, thank you. Yeah. Tell me more about that process.
1: Yeah. So your album was recorded in December of uh, 2019. We released it uh, in December of 2020. Uh, I was, we finished, first off the album was produced by my uh, production partner, Dave Winnick, uh, AKA uh, of St. Dude Productions. He's primarily a music producer but he was, he'd been encouraging me for three years prior to that recording to, to to do something, man. You're really funny. You're the funniest guy. Put it out. You know, I think when I record 2019, that was like my, around my 10th year in comedy. So like, it was around that time where I'm like, okay, I have the material. I'm comfortable. You know, I, I'd want, 2019 was a very, for a lot of reasons, 2019 was a very emotional, tough year for me. And I wanted something to end the year on. So I was like thinking about, okay, let's do this album. Let's do it in December. Uh, my birthday is in December. So December is a good juju month, a uh, good energy mm-hmm. month for me. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay, if I record something in December, probably Friday or Saturday is going to be a day to do it. But if I wait too long in the month, then people are going to be busy with holiday parties because mm-hmm. I've noticed mm-hmm. it's harder to book a show in December. Yeah, um, yeah. But uh, I was looking at, okay, so it looks like the first Friday or Saturday in December. And I looked and it happened to be December 7th was the first Saturday in December. And the reason I bring that up is because December 7th also happens to be my parents' wedding anniversary. So we actually recorded this album on my parents' wedding anniversary. Um, mm-hmm. And we were always going to call it Nick and Sheila's Kid. It just happened to be like, whoa this thing kind of fits really well like it's kind of a nice little yeah. package let's record yeah. it on December 7th um so yeah then like once so I think like when was it I think it was like end of September when I was looking at the calendar and being like okay let's just do it on December 7th let's just do this it's it's happening so I told my yeah. producer um then we were looking at venues uh I picked this black box theater in Chicago it's called Bug House Theater they they still do mm-hmm. stuff there they didn't they didn't they didn't uh, become a casualty of the pandemic. They're still around. They're mm-hmm. still open. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a venue that I've done a lot of cool stuff at. We, Me and these two other Indian producers started a show there like in 2015 called Simmer Brown, which was like, hey, we're angry brown people. Here's a show. Mm-hmm. where We try to relax. And we just booked our favorite comics. And we served samosas to the crowd too. And it wasn't oh, like nice. supposed to be – it wasn't like an Indian show. It was just like, hey, we're Indian and here's what we're doing, but we're booking our favorite comedians, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, And this was, a, I mean, 2016, 2017, you know, this was a time when most independent shows and comedy shows would only have a person of color or a woman. Like, I would see these booking spreadsheets, I'm sure you know what I'm talking about, like, where it'd be like, a mm-hmm. oh, woman slash color, like, that was it to be five white guys. Right. So,
0: right. at
1: that time, it wasn't very common, especially in Chicago. You would think it would be mm-hmm. more common, but it was not. It was not very yeah. common to have diverse shows to the point that I remember when this show came out, people thought we were being anti-white by doing this show. Like I remember comics making these type of comments and I'm just like, I'm yeah. just trying to book shows where my friends could do it and yeah. where I can get some stage time. Cause I ain't getting as yeah. much stage time as the rest of y'all. So I right. just remember that. But the point I'm trying to make is it was a great venue that, that, you know, and it's about a, yeah. it's about with, with fire, we're pushing fire code, and really mm-hmm. jamming the seats in a couple standing room seats as well. It's pushing mm-hmm. to about 80, 85, which is to me, that's, you know, I'm happy with yeah. that uh, oh, yeah. amount for an album recording, low ceilings, which is always mm-hmm. good for audio acoustics, you know, yes. so
0: yes. very
1: happy with that venue. So yeah, we, we did, we only did two shows. You know, I know some people do five shows for their album recording. We just did two shows in a night, a seven and a 10, 10, o'clock show. And it was a, it was a hell of a time. I remember <laughs> I flew in, I was I was still living in Chicago, but I remember the day before I booked this thing for United Airlines where I was hosting their holiday party. And I did that, I don't know, it wasn't like I planned it. Like I'm gonna do a corporate event right before my album recording, but mm-hmm. it just so happened this was a very nice gig and very affordable. Plus it was through United, so they were giving me free flight. I didn't have to pay for yeah. flight or anything. So it was cool. yeah. Uh, yeah. And so I'm like, hey, this could be cool to do this right before my album recording. And so I did the show and did the corporate event. I came into my album recording. I felt, I felt really, you know, free from my album recording because it was like, Hey, you have to, you have certain language requirements for a, for a corporate event. You have to abstain yeah. from certain topics. Right. So I think it was good to, I think that was a good, like, you know, you don't want to run your whole album the night before, but you want to do something to kind of stay fresh. So I thought this was a good little uh, exercise to do that before. My recording, so I'm very happy with that weekend. That weekend is probably still one of my favorite weekends in comedy. Do the United Airlines sure. event, do that was on Friday. Then this, the uh, Saturday was the two recordings, and then Sunday I went to Milwaukee and performed at the Kegstan Brewery. Did about 45 minutes there, and that was a fun. Yeah. Show. that was kind of like that was like the dessert for the weekend. You know, yeah. so you had the appetizer, yeah. the main course, and the dessert. So still one yeah. of my favorite uh, weekends ever. And then of course in the next few months, the world went to hell. I, it was just like, hey, am I ever gonna
0: do comedy again? You know? Uh-huh. Yeah. No. Um, I think that sounds lovely. And it sounds like a lot of the times those things sort of fall right into place like the way you need it to. Um because yeah. of course like you put in the effort and you put in the planning and what have you, but sometimes like when you're leading up to a big project like that there are other things that sort of fall into place that you hadn't even thought of but they're just they're like kind of perfect for what you need and what you're doing and that's really like the best part about doing like a big project like an album or something like that um you mentioned something just in passing but i want to get back to it is uh you said that 2019 was a tough year for you i mean like why was it so tough
1: um there was like some family stuff going on that i, I unfortunately see. i can't really get too much into there was some uh you know stuff with uh, i i was harassed by the cops for a kind of a oh stupid God. situation where i can't talk too much about it but i can say like basically I, the, the the cliff notes of this is i fell asleep on a train and tripped a fire alarm and the cops oh. tried to really get me for that so there was just family stuff and dealing with that freedom thing it was just very stupid you know so yeah. it was just yeah. tumultuous from a from a comedy standpoint it was a great year I got to do I got to yeah. be on NPR that year I got to be yeah. on the NBC uh, diversity festival they had two different diversity festivals in Chicago so comedy wise great year personal life yeah. not fun you know
0: mm. the sad clown yeah. syndrome
1: we're, we're making people laugh yeah, yeah. But, ah, you know on these other on these other fronts. <laughs>
0: I think i think uh yeah and no, 2019 was definitely interesting year for a lot of people yeah but i don't know like at a certain point like you look back and all of that all of that ends up becoming fodder for you know comedy anyhow uh eventually oh, of yeah, yeah yeah i um
1: i've started working through i mean i'm not really i do it i do like a very streamlined version of it for myself and i'll do it at a few storytelling events i haven't really done it on stand-up stage yet but I do like talking about a little bit and I hope eventually that could be its own 30 minute thing, you know.
0: I'm sure it will be. Yeah, I'm sure it Once, will be. It's I like move from it. <laughs> exactly. It's like when it's too close like it's not funny yeah. at all and you know, you don't even want to talk about it. Like nope. um there's a comic right now uh I won't mention his name but he's he's like in the scene, LA scene and he's a funny dude. Uh but like I was at a mic and he was doing like a 10 minute mic and yeah. he was saying some of the most horrendous things about his marriage like it, it basically in a nutshell it had to do with him like his wife his now ex-wife how she started doing porn like behind his back and i was like listening to this guy set which wasn't funny by the way it was just hor- horrifying horrifying and shocking Right. But at the end, but at the end of it, like I, I messaged him and I was like, you are the luckiest motherfucker right now. Like, <laughs> this is solid gold material for your next album. Like
1: <laughs> He's got to work unbel- through it, but when he gets there, it's going to be amazing. <sighs>
0: yeah i mean it sounded like he was still like in the development process of it because i guess he had just yeah. signed the divorce papers so it's it's not totally it's fresh. fresh but it's still it's like mm. kind of you know it's it's not fully sure. cooked yet you know it's still kind yeah, of in no. the oven baking marinated. and <laughs> it's yeah and i was like i was like i am so excited for you like this is gonna be a beast of a bit you know
1: But it's that thing Um, of, you know, right now, like, it's funny, like, everybody's like, I got to put out every reel and every TikTok thing immediately. And it's like, I just wonder, like, are people still finding time to fully develop bits anymore? That's, that's the real question, right?
0: Yeah, that's a valid question. Because I was looking at this uh, tape that I made, like, three years ago. And there's this, there's a bit I do in my act that has taken like four years to make like to really refine it like i added a new tag this year you know and it's it's like a four-year-old joke and i looked at what it was like four years ago and i was like oh this is not at all good you know like it's the ideas there the you know the the heart of it is there but it's nowhere near like what it is now you know and like that's the thing about like an excellent joke or an excellent bit is you know it takes years to really make it refined like solid right i mean that's how i feel about it at least
1: no things take things take time i mean i will say sometimes you know i've, I've i think we've we've had those bits where sometimes sometimes things click immediately but even then like you're still changing skeleton things meat meat of the bones comes out in and out but you're right sometimes things don't click immediately some bits don't work initially i've put bits into a vault and don't touch them for years and then maybe something in the news hits me and i'm like oh maybe i could try this again and then all Mm -hmm. of a sudden now it's clicking more than Mm -hmm. ever you know um, exactly i'm not the biggest i don't know about you but i'm not the biggest like i gotta sit down and write every day i'm not the biggest sit down and write person i'm more of when idea comes i'll you know you know maybe i'll work it out a little bit or maybe i'll use a voice memo and talk Uh it out and then i'll just go up at mics and just really find it on stage you know
0: yeah i think the voice memo thing definitely is a good way to do it when i first started i was like i was really like like keen on writing every single day like my process was okay. writing every day like in the morning as soon as i wake up i write and then mm-hmm. i would flesh those bits out by recording it like in a in a voice yeah. memo thing by working it out and as i'm saying stuff like tags would appear or punchlines would appear and then i would yeah. rewrite it like into a full joke and then that yeah. night i would take it to the stage it, it was stage. such it was such a fucking process. But, you know, now, like, I'm a lot more chill with it. Um, but, yeah, like, absolutely. That's the thing. Like, you give birth to a joke, and sometimes it's just, like, not the time to do it. It's, it might work. You have a setup and punchline. It works. But, like, timing-wise, like, you say the news. Like, yeah, that for sure. Or something else happens in your life where it's like, oh, this is very much, like, part exactly. of the same theme. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Or sometimes yeah. like
1: you, you're getting a laugh on a joke. i I'll use a joke, for example, that I put away for a while. I was getting a laugh, but I did not like the type of laugh I was getting. You know, I felt hmm. that there was a better laugh that I could get or a different mm-hmm. laugh. So part of me is just like, ah, eh, I'm not feeling this right now. I'm going to put it away, you
0: know? Yeah. Um,
1: and it just wasn't one of those bits. I mean, I will say also like, you know, these days if I'm doing like a 10 minute set or if I'm doing a set up, you know, the show that I help run, like, I don't, I, if it's something where it's like very low stakes, I'll just go in and kind of, you know, I'll have like maybe the beginning or like, I'll have an ending joke. Like, okay, this is the thing that's, you know, I know that's going to work. But then like the middle is where like, I might pull out that old joke or I might pull out something Uh or, or if an old joke references something, somebody before me referenced, then I can pull it out or something. You know what I mean? So it kind of depends what the other person's doing too. I tend to, You know, if I'm not first on a show, uh, I tend to try to watch a few of the people before me just to kind of see, hey, what what is the crowd responding to, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. especially coming from Chicago to L.A., seeing some crowds out here will react to things differently. Not everything from Chicago will translate, you know, necessarily in a different city. And that's not just L.A. It could be any city or whatever,
0: you know. For sure. For sure. But I think. References
1: it's just certain words certain just things and timing you know and
0: it's just the it's just the energy i think it's just the crowds sometimes like they all have such diverse energies depending Mm. on like what the coast or the the culture in that area or you know like the temperature the weather i think all of it is just such a huge thing like that's why i you know i i do a lot of cold opens right now at at the improv event That, like, I enjoy doing the cold open for that very reason because it's a cold open, meaning I have no idea who the fuck these people are. I have no idea. I'm setting the tone, and it's my responsibility to make sure that that tone is right. And, Mm -hmm a lot of the times, and this is, I, I blame LA for this. Like Chicago, I love Chicago. Cause the crowds are fucking amazing. They are like a comics dream. I hear Chicago and Denver have like the best yeah. crowds and I believe it, I believe it. Um, like when I went to Chicago just for a few nights it was like nourishing. I felt like, <laughs> like healed from the <laughs> wounds that I had to bear in Los Angeles um because you know a lot of these la cats like they just don't feel like laughing they don't know how to laugh i don't know what their problem is but i go up there and it's like what do, what do these people want you know i just poke around i poke around you know i i'll do like clean stuff i'll do like parents stuff i'll do race stuff i'll do gender yeah. stuff and then it's like, none of it's working. Fine. I'll go to the blue stuff, but I'll save the blue stuff for last. Um, because it's just like, that's something you got to just save for the last because, you know, if that doesn't work, then really like, they're just a shit audience, you know? Yeah. and I, Yeah.
1: I think the blue stuff is interesting. Yeah. Like I tend to, you know, I've been closing on this one kind of dirty story. It's like more innuendo than dirty, but it's just a closer joke. I, I forget how I, it's interesting, Eddie, Eddie Murphy kind of broke that rule. Eddie Murphy starts with the dirtiest stuff in his specials and he ends with the family stuff. But the old sort of Carlin, Chris Rock model is start political, clean social commentary, end on your dirty stuff, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I always just gravitated towards that. And it might just be the nature of what you said. Hey, I want to save the dirty stuff for last because this is my last tool out of the tool belt. Is the, is the dirty Yeah, stuff.
0: You know, yeah. It's kind and, of natural. And, and sometimes like if i'm doing like a longer set if i do and i usually do i do save the dirty stuff for last just because i'm a very blue comic anyhow i've I've, in the past year i've been trying not to be like my goal was i'm gonna try to get more material that doesn't talk about like genitals you know and (laughs) it it's you know like it was challenging but like you know i i think it's going all right But sometimes it's like, if I'm doing a longer set, and I've been just doing clean stuff, or, you know, I'm cursing, but generally, like, not blue material. And then I start going into the blue material as a closer, sometimes it just doesn't work. Because they're like, wait, what the (laughs) hell is happening? Like, this is a shit, we're taking a shift here, you know, and they're very shocked for some reason, you know. And I feel like uh, crowds are sensitive like that, you know, sometimes even though they're all adults, you know, they're like, fucking adults, like, they're just like wait what just happened like it just took a turn you know like, like I a think stuff. Kind of. yeah yeah and it was like it's like not even that big of a turn but suddenly it kind of is you know it's like oh she was cursing all night but she didn't talk about this you know and then it just gets sometimes rarely but i noticed it like it happened a couple times and they were just like oh like a little bit taken aback so anyway Do you i think,
1: think i think because we're because i've had this happen too a little bit i just wonder i try not to make everything about race but i think is it that you know asian south asian we're supposed to be like the nicer wholesome minorities and then here we are just you know oh we're about to drop this you know sexual stuff or whatever oh, i mean what is this?
0: Jarring, i'm not sure you
1: know?
0: i think maybe there might be some of that but like you know the there are there are people like ali wong and margaret cho who are extremely blue yeah yeah and it's like and they're asian women so you know it's like i'm not the first so this shouldn't shock but i think somebody put it the easiest he said that like oh if there are a lot of couples in the room and they're on a date like an er they're Uh early on in the relationship then they get weirded out when you talk about Mm -hmm. fucking because you know they're they're just like oh like i don't know what to laugh at you know to give my partner the wrong idea or of what do i am think because of if me. i laugh
1: at something too dark like yeah
0: exactly exactly so it's almost like this i don't want to expose myself kind of thing and the audience and we're sometimes the would... we're the exposer we're the test for whether
1: or not exactly, two people should exactly
0: yeah 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 so I was like, "Oh, that's a good point. That's a good point. I hadn't thought of that, but it sounds believable. Like of all the things, like that sounded like the most convincing theory to me. Sure. So So no problem. I do this on all of my uh, podcast episodes, where I take one Korean drama and then I take like scenarios from that drama. And then I ask you, what would you do if you were this character in this situation? And you could just like riff off of it. It's like like a little improv game. So I'm gonna ask you some flashcard questions.
1: Okay.
0: Okay, so the show I'm talking about today is called A Gentleman's Dignity. It's about about 10 years old. It's an older show. All right, so let's say you're a high school teacher named Yi Su, okay? Your students, they're high school boys, they get into a fight with a couple of like 40 year old dudes and you get called down to the police station to bail out your students. But one of these men, an, a, a man named Tojin, he says he's going to press charges on these boys and he won't, he won't settle. So you go to him personally multiple times and ask him to reconsider, but he refuses and he keeps asking you out even though you're not interested what do you do yeah
1: that is um that's a lot (laughs) but i would be like well first off okay you're he's so we're are we're going back and forth about like hey come on like these are good boys you know i i believe in them you know, I'm their teacher, I, they look to me, you know, this is, you know, especially in Asian culture, I don't know why I'm saying it, like, they don't know, we're all in Asian culture right now, but like, I believe in my students. So you know, there is that relationship with the kids, which it's almost like an extended parent. You know what I mm-hmm. mean? Like I'm extended family to these boys. Mm-hmm. And so I'm pleading my case with you, like, come on, like mm-hmm. have a heart, you were once a boy too. You were once a miscreant or a meridue like think back to your childhood. And I just imagine while he's thinking back to his childhood, he's getting a chub for me like he's trying to hit on me you know and i'm just Mm -hmm. like okay uh i mean if that diffuses the tension because it's listen this is gonna be a tense situation right like he's going Mm -hmm. back and forth with me do 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 back and forth do do there's probably like tense music playing in the background you Mm -hmm. know Mm a couple quick cuts couple dramatic zoom-ins or something on the face you Mm -hmm. know and he's just like no i'm I'm keeping the charges going and i'm like well hey think back to when you're a boy and then I guess they're just kind of like how when we're doing a set and we 180 to dirty stuff, like this is like a 180 to well, and now he's 180 on me and he's like hitting on me. Um, I mean, I think what I have to do is I think I have to meet him up for a drink or something. I'm not saying anything's going to happen, but maybe that informal meeting for a drink quote unquote date night will be in, sort of a way to diffuse a situation keep things calm so that i can get through to this man and make sure he doesn't put these boys away for life you know mm-hmm. i don't know what like sort of what what is korean juvenile hall like is it doesn't sound fun i can't imagine these kids are going to come out being productive members of society you know you put someone away in juvenile hall they're gonna learn how to be a better criminal from other criminals in there so we're trying to keep these kids to having a good fucking future you know too often kids get sort of taken away for nothing that they didn't do. And it's probably, it was probably some misunderstanding. It was probably a mountain out of a molehill.
0: Mm-hmm. I feel
1: for these kids. It's kind of, this is kind of remnant of what happened with me in 2019. I wish I had a teacher to fucking, you know, hit on the, <laughs> the police chief or whatever. Like mm-hmm. if, if, that, if that's what it takes, if you got to have an informal conversation, you know, sometimes you have to do that. You know, he, he might assume romance, you know, I'm assumed that this is going to be a calm situation that we can, you know, have a couple drinks, maybe shoot some pool. Uh, You know, I assume people go shoot pool during dates or whatever, but yeah, let's shoot some pool. Let's have a couple drinks. Let's talk this through. You know, you're not getting any foreplay from me, but if you want to think that for a little bit, that's fine, but I'm here for these kids. That's going to be my intention going into this. Okay. That's what I would do.
0: All right, a couple of drinks doesn't hurt anybody. Okay, Double that's fair. Hurt yeah. All right, let's say you're the same person. You're Yisu again. You have a crush on a man who owns his own construction and development company. His name is Tezhan. Got it. And Tezhan is, Taesan. yeah. Tezhan is best friends with Tojin, the guy who wouldn't drop the charges on your student. One day, mm. Taesan, calls you okay and he asks you for your roommate sarah's phone number saying he wants to ask her out but this whole time you've had a crush on Hunt for like a year what do you do damn
1: well i mean i'm I'm glad to see that even in this drama teachers are making so little that they have to have roommates that's the first thing i'm glad to see that you know, teachers are struggling all over the globe, Grace. That's good. Good to know that. Yeah, um, yeah. So I'm with my roommate. Um, how close am I to my roommate? Uh, maybe I could set my roommate off like, hey, you know that I'm into this guy. Maybe just go out on a date so I can help these kids. But, you know, nothing's really going to happen. Right. Like, hopefully I have that relationship with my roommate that I can pull off this sort of, you know, Hmm. Uh, switcheroo it's literally like this is like russian doll manipulation like we're it's like moving chess pieces around we're manipulating one date so that that goes well so then this piece this creates another agreement this is some like high level mafia succession type shit that we're doing (laughs) here but come on like you know i do think that i can see i can kind of see this guy's dilemma it's that that thing of yeah i'm crushing this guy but also like you know is it about that crush or is it about these you know, these kids whose lives you really are like an extended, you know, family member for these kids. I think, I think it's one of those things where he's got his heart with obviously what he's into. And then, you know, he's hard, his heart is for these kids as well. He, he cares about them. It's important. You know, he wants these kids uh, uh, not to get put in uh, something serious, you know, and yeah, maybe eventually he'll get that number and he'll, he'll finally get, you know, Mr. Construction man to fucking notice him on the job you know, pour some cement into his bricklayer or whatever. Maybe we'll wow. get that one day. I don't know. Maybe we'll get that one day. But you know, those those bricklayers will come and go. I mean, there's probably someone even more attractive on that construction site. You know, like who knows? Who knows, Grace? You know. But I think I think this guy sounds like he's cool with his roommate. And what I would say as the character to my roommate is, hey, just go in. You know have a couple again you don't have to do anything a couple drinks doesn't hurt anybody i just did that with this friend two days ago so you go in, get some drinks just, just give the number you know number doesn't automatically mean anything if there's one thing i've learned in my years of teaching <laughs> i've gotten so many single moms numbers nothing happens nothing so number ain't gonna hurt and if that number is one step closer to those two boys getting some um you know getting those charges dropped I think that's a that's a good thing I
0: think a couple numbers doesn't hurt you know okay what are you playing with there it's clacking and I could hear all of it through the screen so if you're gonna play with it play with it near you I'm actually
1: playing with the Russian like nest egg doll as we're talking about manipulation I'm actually playing with the doll
0: okay I don't want
1: to show on camera
0: well it's definitely the sound is recording into the thing so Play with it on your couch where it's not, it's not near the, the we speakers. Will,
1: we will pretend, we can dub that sound over with uh, Korean drama music. We okay,
0: I'll, I'll try my best to do that. All right, let's <laughs> uh-huh. say, let's say that you're Isu, okay? Okay. The teacher. The teacher. Guy. You and this Tujin guy, all right, he, he wins, like he, he wins you over, okay? And you guys are dating now and it's bliss, it's blissful. But one day, a nineteen-year-old boy shows up on his doorstep and says that he is Tujin's long-lost son. And they do a DNA test, and turns out he really is Tujin's son. What do you do?
1: I mean, the first thing we do is we we talk about, you know, what was the what was the situation, man? Like, okay, so you had you were hot and heavy back in the day. Did you, was it just like a one night stand? Was alcohol involved? Like what, what happened? Like, was this a different time? You know, what, what was going through your head, man? Like, you know, I want, I want to know. I think, I think talking through what happened is the first thing. Like it's, it's one to just be like, oh, you have a son. Fuck you. Hey, listen, we all have a dark past. Who knows what skeletons are in my closet? I don't. I don't want to get into it. That's, that's that's for next season. That's for sweep season. Maybe we'll talk about that in sweep season. Mm-hmm. But right now I want to know what's going through your head. What, what what do you recollect about this son? And two, does the son want to be in your life? Like, what does the son want from you? Like, does he just want to know that you know that he's out there? Does he want a relationship? Like what, does he want to be involved in your life? Does, does he want you to be involved in his life? What's going through your head right now? Cause there's, two different sides to this there's obviously what i feel but i want to know what going through your head and then not actually no it's not two it's three because the third is the son the 19 year old son who found you can't imagine you know it's easy to like just look up randomly your biological father and found him who knows what like levels of hell he crossed to get here you know so yeah i want to know what's going through his head what's going through your head what does he want what do you need you know do we need to get to do we need to all go shoot some pool somewhere maybe pool is the great equalizer maybe pool is the thing that you know unites me with you know my love that's how we fell in love with through pool and maybe pool is what got those two boys off and now pool is getting me off so this is this is great like let's just let's figure this out i just imagine there's a through line of pool <laughs> yeah
0: let's say let's say then you're this teacher lady okay yeah. dojin says to you that he's so ashamed of the fact that he has a son Um, and he didn't know about this child and he accidentally neglected this kid for almost 20 years and he says he doesn't want to stain your reputation by being the guy with an illegitimate child Mm. and he breaks up with you what do you do and that's the thing
1: is, I, I, love, I love this man, so I don't, I love this character, I, I don't, I, I, they're identifying as man, right? Is that the...
0: Yeah, he's okay. a man, you're, you're a teacher lady, and he's a man. Yeah.
1: Oh, okay, yeah, so, all right, so I'm, I love this man, I, I'm looking past the stain, even though Tushin thinks there's a stain, I don't see a stain. I see a tide pod that I can wipe the stain away with. I don't see the blemish. I just see that. Yeah. You made a mistake obviously, but it's also, what are you trying to do now to fix the mistake? You know, sure. There's community pressure and perception of everything. Yes. Let's be honest here. I, I, yes, I'm aware of shame and you know, all oh, people are going to look down the street and blah, 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 all that stuff or whatever. But at the end of the day, what are you doing now? Do you do you want to be involved in his life? Does what 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 are you doing to satisfy him now? He can't. He, obviously the son came looking for you, so the nineteen year old came looking for you. So there must have been some curiosity, like you know maybe there is room for a relationship. And the fact is, I want to support you, but you have to do the right thing. You have to if the person wants you involved in their life, you got to be there for them. And so I want to be there to support you as you take this next step. And I hope that you want to still be with me. I, yes, I understand shame, but you know, if you can't get over it for yourself, you know, that's a problem, but I still have feelings for you. I truly love you. We finally got together. It took hell and high water to get with you, you know, so let's, let's figure this out. And now I just feel like there's gonna be some dramatic music and zoom in Maybe a star wipe, Grace. We'll put a star wipe in there. Mm-hmm, so,
0: mm-hmm.
1: Not jazz hands, but like a star wipe or mm-hmm. something. Yeah. try to get a star wipe in. This is probably gonna be a two or three parter, though. This speech will take like two or three episodes. This yeah, like, yeah. A lot of yeah. Even you
0: know. even your monologue just now requires about two to three episodes. Two to so, three episodes. Yeah. This ain't happening in one
1: film. At suite. least. At <laughs> least.
0: All right. That that wraps up the the flashcard series. Thank you. And yeah. thanks for your time today. No problem.